Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Matthew Freeman Show. Another little episode during this quarantine. Um, as always, I like to uh, come on here and have a conversation either with someone that I care deeply about, about fun things in the fitness industry and life in general, or I like to come on here and do a monologue about some lesson that I have learned, something that maybe I have gone through, and what has come of that lesson or that time, what I've learned, how it's made me feel, how I've adapted, etc. And I do that hoping that something, some somewhere down the road, it might spark something that you're going through or dealing with and make that a little bit easier on you um, in the long run. So today, what I wanted to come on and talk about was five lessons that I didn't realize I was learning from my dad that have become part of my being and part of like my makeup and how I get through things. And these lessons um, have come to me in in time, but like through multiple different odd channels, I'd say. And so you're going to have to bear with me as I tell you these things um, and the stories that come along with them, but it shouldn't be a very long episode. It should just be kind of a quick conversation about these five things that I think are essential to living life as a whole. Um, As always, I really appreciate when you share this podcast. If you you take a photo and post it to your story and tag me, that's awesome. Uh, Getting my voice out there to more people is really not about my ego. It is really about uh, my hopes of spreading the lessons I've learned to others for the exact reason I told you before in hopes that maybe they don't have to go through uh, the full extent of the pain before they can make an adjustment. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's talk about those lessons. So the first lesson starts out way back in the day. We lived on Dutton Avenue in Santa Rosa, California. I lived there with my dad, my mother, my sister for a period of time. It's a beautiful house. And at that house, we had this gigantic fig tree. And that fig tree produced, well, I would love to tell you it produced amazing figs, but I did not eat figs at that point. I thought those were like really disgusting. And, uh, not something that I grew to, you know, I don't know that I like figs now. I, I don't even think I like fig newtons, but I don't mind when figs exist in a smoothie or something of that nature. But we had this, this gigantic fig tree. And when you look at the tree itself, it had a huge trunk, uh, gigantic branches, big leaves and produced some amazing figs. And I, I'd go out there and I'd say, hey, Dad, this is a really cool fig tree. And uh, what are we going to do about it today? And he'd say, well, son, I'm going to boost you up into the fig tree. And you're going to pick all the figs that are ripe and 
So we would do this together all the time. And we, I would I'd pick all these figs down and we'd create like a big box of figs and we'd go sell those to a local farmer market on Mendocino. One, but one thing I, I asked my dad, even at that age, I said, you know, what does it take for a fig tree to produce such great figs? And he always told me, it takes patience. And that was the first lesson. I realized, like, good things in life require a lot of patience. And this is not a new lesson that, you know, you've heard. We all know that patience is important. But for the fig tree to go from seed and from seed to tree to tree with branches to tree with branches that produces large figs, it took several years. The long game. And you hear Gary Vaynerchuk talk about the long game all the time. And right now we live in a world where everything's always about the short game, you know? What's the the 21 day diet, the 21 day fix, the 21 day to this, the 21 day to wealth, the, you know, the overnight life hack. Everything's about fast, but fast never works. You just repeat fast over and over again. And what really happens is fast over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, gets you these temporal results that you're never really happy with, but you actually do it over a long time because of the amount of times that you've repeated fast. Now what the fig tree shows is that if you plant the seed and you're patient and you let it develop, the fruit that it bears later on happens over and over and over in a very predictable manner. The thing with the fast fixes is they're unpredictable. But when you actually plant the seeds and allow the tree to grow, the fruit that it bears is very predictable. There's a predictable harvest or a predictable yield year after year based on certain actions that you apply. And so the first lesson was patience. And it was taught to me through the fig tree. On that very same property, we actually had a big batch of bamboo. And it was really cool. It was like a bamboo hedge and it kind of blocked the deck and it kind of separated the deck from this outdoor um, tree fort kind of thing that my sister and I put together. And it really was like I was supposed to stay out of it. It was actually like my sister's fun room with her friends uh, as a teenager. So you know what that means. But uh, I wasn't really allowed to go in very often. I'd sneak in from time to time. But the separation from the deck to the fun room was this bamboo. And we lived there a long time. And what you realize with bamboo is if a, a bamboo seed flies, is carried by the wind and lands somewhere, it'll sprout up right where it lands. And finally we were like, we gotta get rid of this bamboo. This bamboo is kind of spreading throughout the yard in random places. And the only way we can stop that is to get rid of the bamboo. So when we went out to begin to cut down the bamboo, I was like, Dad, this is impossible to chop. Like, this is not easy. So bamboo is not coming down. I feel like we have to saw it. 
And he's like, you're right. Bamboo is resilient. It really fights to the dying day to stay alive, to continue to grow, and to continue to develop in the place that it that it currently exists. And I was like, man, yeah, this really is resilient. But then I said, like, help me understand resilience. I'm young. He said, being resilient is in the face of all adversity, continuing to march forward, continuing to execute the plan, continuing to go after all that you are seeking. We've got to be resilient in life, son. It's important to continue to fight for everything that you want. Sorry, I got distracted by a yellow jacket that was out here kind of smashed into the ground. But resiliency is something, it's a quality that is often overlooked. Um, I think too many of us give up far before we actually needed to. And the idea to say, no, I'm not giving into this. I am going to stand firm regardless of how much you try to shake me. I'll reinvent myself over and over and over again if I have to, to continue to move forward towards the goal. That bamboo hedge, that that thing fought us tooth and nail to get rid of it. Like you, It wasn't just like some hedge clippers. We had to bring in the saw. We had to bring in... We had to bring in the team to get rid of that thing. And so the bamboo taught me resilience early on in life. And both of those were at the house on Denton. Now, skipping a quick beat and kind of leaving the idea of landscape, which is what my dad did for a living. Another thing my dad taught me was that laughter is a universal language and a universal medicine. It's a healer. And it really can change the course of a day. I mean, think about the times that you're having a bad day and you know those those times that you didn't you were you were so mad like you weren't gonna laugh because you were pissed and then someone made you laugh and you're almost mad at them for making you laugh because you were trying to be pissed but then you start laughing and you realize like how much of a release you got from that laugh and how that anger dissipated. My dad always had really corny jokes. Um, you know, he would say things all the time. If your nose runs and your feet smell, you must be built upside down. Things like that. 
he had all these kind of really terrible jokes, but like he would say them at any time and the look on his face, he was so serious, you know, and he just, it would make you laugh. And he had such a great laugh. I was uh, going to the PO, the safety deposit boxes after his death. And as I was opening these safety deposit, uh, safety deposit boxes, there was nothing in them. I had to pay to open them. So I was a little PO'd, but as I'm walking out, um, two different ladies stopped me on two different occasions. They said, hey, I just wanted to tell you that your dad made our day all the time. He uh, would come in and he'd bring us almonds or seize candy and you know, it'd be the middle of November and he'd hand this candy to us and say, Happy Easter. And you know, it always put a smile on our face. It always made us laugh. He always had a joke. He always had a kind gesture. He always had something that broke up the monotony of the day. And that was so memorable because there were so many clients that are not like him. It's very transactional. But he broke up those transactions with a smile or something funny that created some laughter, which was so greatly appreciated. And looking back, like that was one of the things, like a lot of serious interactions with my father, but there were also so many times that he really got me to laugh. And looking back, like, it just really is a universal language. Like, it doesn't matter what country you're in, you know, who you're, who you're talking to. Like, a laugh goes an extremely long way. So, I just want you guys to know that we, in all times, we got to continue to laugh. See, universal language... And it's a healer. It's medicine. So beyond patience and resilience and laughter as a universal language and a healer, the fourth lesson that I learned from my father over the years, it's kind of funny actually, now that I think about it, that I had to stop to deal with this yellow jacket, but the fourth lesson is the bees. So my dad's ranch, my grandpa's ranch, to be honest, we'd go out and we'd visit. One thing I used to always do is we'd always go riding on the quad. And I've told you guys this before. Um, my dad grew up in Modesto. My grandparents lived on a ranch in Modesto. And we had almond orchards and walnut orchards. And we'd get on the quad and we'd go riding. There was always the white boxes. Always, when I first was there, I was like, what's in the white box? And my dad would say, bees. And I'm like, oh, man, let's stay away from the white boxes. I'm like, why are they out here? Why would you have boxes of bees? Why would anyone want boxes of bees? Bees are terrible, you know? Bees are scary. They I had been stung so many times, like, they sting you, they... They hurt, you know, they seem to attack you for no reason. Why would we want these boxes of bees? 
and he said, you know, this is how we cross-pollinate the orchards, and this is how the trees, the almonds and the walnuts, this is how we get them to grow. They're essential. They're an essential tool for the crop that we produce and one of the ways that we create an, an income. And it was then that I began to learn that everybody is vital whether you like them or not. Like, I still don't necessarily love the presence of a bee or a yellow jacket or a wasp, but now I have a, a respect for them understanding that they're vital and how this is translated in life is that I have always been very accepting of everybody knowing that, you know, each person has a, a purpose and a, and a meaning and something that they were put here to do. And even if we don't all find our purpose and passion or meet what we were supposed to do specifically we still play a role in the function of society as a whole it's still important ripple in the greater good of what's going on and so it was from riding the quads and trying to avoid those big white boxes that had so many bees. Something that I was so afraid of that I learned that regardless of my personal opinion on something, that didn't diminish the importance of that something. So the fourth lesson was everybody is vital, whether or not we particularly like them or see a purpose for them. So that's important as well. Which brings me to my last lesson that I learned from my dad over the years. My uh, whole family on that side was into gambling. So from the youngest age when I'd go visit my grandparents, we would sit down at the table and We'd bet on Skippo, we'd bet on Uno, we'd bet on this dice game called 10,000, played poker dice, um, dice a lot actually, um, multiple different kinds of dice, and then like I said, lots of card games and everything was alcohol and gambling. Someone was drinking and money was on the table. We didn't care if we were taking each other's money, um, it was a big part of the social atmosphere was gambling. And, you know, after that, when, when my dad had his sobriety years, he exchanged one addiction for another, and gambling was another addiction of his when he wasn't abusing. And, you know, many people would say gambling is not a good thing and probably isn't. But what I began to understand is 
the the idea of gambling is to take chances. And in life, we have to be willing to take chances. If you're unwilling to take any chances at all, it's hard for things to occur. And yes, we can be strategic about our chances. We can be intelligent about our chances. We can take calculated risks. We can, you know, think through what it is we're about to do and kind of analyze risk of reward. But in the end, standing idle does not open up the door for anything. Nothing occurs standing still. It requires mobility. And mobility requires action. And in every action we take, we are taking a chance that what we believe will be the response to that action will occur. And that's the chance. And through all this gambling over the years, I learned from my dad that life was about taking chances. So, these five lessons, like I said, are not necessarily new to you. Shouldn't be new to you. They might not be earth-shattering and groundbreaking, but, you know, you've listened to my episodes that were about relations with my father over the years. And when I think about the good that came out of so many different things with them over the years, these these memories pop up. The fig tree and how it taught me patience. The bamboo and how it taught me resilience. The bees and how they taught me Everything is vital. Everybody is vital, regardless of how I feel about them. Laughter is the universal language and a universal healer. And how gambling was really a lesson in how we should be willing to take a chance on ourselves, on something. Because that's really what life is about. So I hope you guys got something out of these lessons today. And I encourage you to do this. Look back over your life and think about some of the things that you did over and over. And what, what were they really teaching you? What was the underlying message? What was the underlying lesson in that something and how it relates to your life? And write those down and think about them. And then think about how those lessons have shown up in your life currently. And what that means to you. And then share that with someone. Let's continue to pass down the lessons that we learn in our ordinary life. 
Let's continue to be inspired by each other. Let's continue to start simply and simply start. Let's continue to lead from the front. As always, thank you for listening to the Matthew Freeman Show. You can find me at in, on Instagram, not as much lately, at Matthew Freeman. That's M-A-T-H-E-W, Freeman. And if there's anything you'd like to hear or want to go over, shout it out to me. And uh, we'll see if we can get it on the podcast soon. Much love to y'all. Stay safe. Talk to you soon.